but I'd been in a relationship where I was demeaned, where I was told I was just average and didn't have very much talent and was just kind of okay, you know, as a musician, I've been told that. So it's interesting that what we've been told by other people becomes a part of who we are. So in those early recordings, I hear a lot of judgment, a lot of criticism, a lot of insecurity, because I believed what other people said. And in the later recordings, uh, particularly this one I just finished, now I see, I hear no fear in my voice. There's no fear. There's just love and power coming out and this absolute confidence that when I open my mouth, God will come out and I know it. Welcome to Along the Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me along my way as I try to become more like Jesus every day. I love talking with fascinating people and learning how God has met them along their way. My journey for this Along the Way conversation connects me with Jean Watson. She is a concert violinist and a singer. She is delighted to use her musical gift for the kingdom of God. In our conversation, she discusses how she overcame negativity and the lack of confidence that she had. And now she is bold in her music and ministry. You are going to enjoy my conversation with Jean. I'll get to that in just a moment, but I want to make sure that you know that you can hear all of my episodes, even the ones that you might have missed, by visiting my website, alongtheway.media, or simply subscribing to Along the Way in your favorite podcast app. You can also find Along the Way on Facebook and Instagram. And I've started an Along the Way email subscriber list. If you want to be notified of episodes and any other special announcements, please consider joining my email list. The link is in my show notes. To reach out to me electronically, you can always email me at johnalongtheway at gmail.com. My social links and web address, they're in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you. And now, here is my Along the Way conversation with Gene Watson. Gene Watson, thank you for allowing me to join you along your way as we record this podcast episode for Along the Way. Well, thank you for having me and letting me share some of my journey. Absolutely. You've been a guest on my program, Real Life, a number of times now, uh, which has been how we've originally met, and we love having you with us. I'm saying this recorded, I'll say it behind closed doors, uh, whatever. We really do love having you with us, and your music is wonderful. Your violin and your piano playing and your singing is phenomenal, and we're recording this in the morning before you're coming to our studio to do a special Christmas living room concert, which is a lot of fun, and I will be providing links for that in the show notes, but I want to hear more about your story, Jean, and how God has led you to where you are today. Well, I think that's probably too long of a story to share in one podcast. Um, I feel like um, the Lord uses time mm-hmm. in our journeys, and, and time is so important. You know, we come to Christ when we're young, and um, I grew up in the church but didn't really understand the gospel mm-hmm. till I was a teenager at a Young Life meeting um, and early in the morning, and someone explained really what the cross was all about, and I'd heard it my whole life, but didn't really get it. And so in that meeting, I was like, oh, that's what they're talking about. That's what this forgiveness thing is all about. And so I asked Jesus into my heart. And so that was the beginning of a journey. And then um, in college, made a deeper faith commitment where I knew um, not only did I want salvation, but I wanted my life to be completely given to God. And so there was a radical commitment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I must have been 18, 19 years old. And then 
the thing is, even though we make that commitment to Christ, um, we're full of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so for God to have his way in us and, and use us for his purposes, he's got to do stuff in our hearts and, and move things around. And that takes time. Yes, it does. <laughs> and there's really, I don't think there's a shortcut to that. I mean, some people are a little quicker than others mm -hmm. to surrender. And I think that's the key word is how surrendered are, are we? And some people get there quickly. So many in the Bible took decades to really be fully prepared to be used by God, like Moses, mm -hmm. um, Joseph in the book of Genesis. And I was one of those slow learners. And so I feel like, you know, there was a period of several decades where, you know, God was forming me and doing things in my life, but you didn't really see a lot of outward fruit from it. Mm. So it wasn't until much later down the road when I was married, I had four children, and then got divorced. And so, you know, a lot of life has happened, yeah. and mistakes, and tragedy, and pain, and suffering, all that stuff that happens while we live on this earth. And, and it's through those things, um, through pain, um, through disappointment that God um, shapes us um, depending on how we respond to mm -hmm. suffering. And so it, for me, it was quite a, a way down the road, so to speak, that um, I came to that place of full surrender again, and it, this, this time in a different way than that initial surrender. In the beginning, it's easy, you know, yeah, sign me up. Yeah. Yeah, life with God, everything's going to be great, blessings, and it all sounds wonderful. So you sign on the dotted line, mm -hmm. but you don't really know what you're signing. <laughs> it's kind of like the Apple iTunes thing. You're yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just, I, I agree. Just yeah, yeah, you didn't read all the fine print, yeah. you know. But, you know, the fine print is there for every person on this planet, whether they're a believer or not. You know, Jesus said in this world we're going to have trouble. Mm -hmm. and, um, again, it's what we do with it that determines where we end up. But So later down the road, I'd been through a lot of stuff and was feeling very broken, came back to that place mm. of surrender. And um, it was, uh, I was lying on a, a bed, very deeply depressed, feeling like uh, I had missed the path somehow. And mm. I, I was felt like that lost sheep out on the, the crag of a rock somewhere yeah. <laughs> and feeling very helpless and alone and crying out to God, very much that lost sheep. And saying, God, I don't know how I got here, but I can't find my way back, and I need help. And I cried out to God, and uh, um, a, a series of miracles happened at that point. I actually um, opened my Bible and saw the scripture, Psalm 116, verse 4, which says, Oh, God, save me. Or some translations just say, Oh, God, help me. So I cried out, and the phone rang at that moment mm -hmm. and I picked up the phone and uh, there was a man's voice on the other end that I didn't recognize and he asked me if my name was Jean Watson and if I played the violin and I and I thought uh, yeah my name's Jean Watson and how do you know I play the violin because yeah. I hadn't played the violin in many That's years. That's an odd introduction. Yeah sure. it was and uh, so I, I was trained as a classical musician but I hadn't used my gifting for many years mm -hmm. and so anyway, he said that he'd heard my name mentioned in a restaurant the night before, and uh, he was the concertmaster of the local symphony. And he had gone through the phone book calling all the Watsons till he found one that was a professional violin player. And, and so that was, that was, to me, 
Jesus coming out to the edge of the cliff and saying, I hear your voice. Um, Just the most astounding moment because I Mm -hmm. thought, how could that happen? That phone call um, ended up leading to a a job playing in a professional orchestra. Again, just found me. I didn't find it. Um, And then my landlord accidentally heard me singing Christmas carols on a recording that I'd made for a friend and he uh, was moved by the sound of my voice and said I don't know what you're doing with your life but I think that's what you're supposed to be doing and so he gave me my rent money back and said go make a recording so that's not I, something that landlords often do no again <laughs> you know it's it was to me it was God is so often um, when we can't help ourselves we cry out to him mm. he's like that prodigal son whose father ran yeah. to meet him and so all we have to do is just is just turn towards him and he'll run to meet us and that's what God did and so from that point on my life radically changed yeah so you said that you hadn't been playing the violin right any reason why you yeah. hadn't been doing that oh life circumstances really I had a master's degree in violin performance that was a highly skilled classical yeah. performer um, but then you know part of it was just seasons of life I was raising children and that was the most important thing was family and raising the kids and so having my own professional career really wasn't my priority at that moment Um, but also I was just trying to survive at that point in life and so there aren't a a lot of great paying positions for musicians there's very few (laughs) and so you know I was just doing what I had to do to survive and and music was more of a dream to me than um, something that I could realistically pursue without a miracle. Yeah. (laughs) And that miracle came as a phone call. It did. Yeah. After you cried out to the Lord. After I cried out for help. Wow. Yeah. And so that opened up a job for you. And then your landlord helped you record a Christmas album or just any album? Uh, You know, it started out as sort of half of a Christmas album. And then that flowed into another praise and worship album, which is permanently out of print. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it was one of my early efforts, uh-huh. but it was the very beginning. you wanted to stay for it permanently out? Uh, yes, yeah, okay. sort of just in the archives yeah. somewhere for only select <laughs> listeners. But, you know, I listened to those early recordings. In fact, I was listening to the first Christmas one in 2002, and I hear this precious, innocent voice just presenting everything that I am back mm. to the Lord. It's kind of like the, the little drummer boy yeah. song on my new CD. <laughs> but, you know, just that innocence of saying, I don't have anything of value to bring you, God. Yeah. All I have is this ability that you gave me to play the violin. And so here it is. And then, you know, the ability to sing, um, which I was just learning that I had and offering everything that I had, even though it seemed like nothing. And then when we put our everything into God's hands, it becomes something he can use. Absolutely, it does. When you listen back to your old recordings, you're often taken back to that place as well. It's not just a nice voice that you hear singing. Yeah. You're you're kind of transported back to that same Mm -hmm. place. How do you look back at those and you say, wow, God has really brought me to this (laughs) place, or what was happening in younger Gene's life there? Yeah. So what I hear, um, the first thing I ever recorded, ever, 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 in front of a microphone was um, Amy Grant's song, Breath of Heaven. 
Oh, I love that song. Um, yeah, so I just got the track at the Christian bookstore and mm-hmm. took it to the recording studio. I gave it to the engineer and said, I am now going to sing a song. And, he, you know, he deals with every right. every person coming in off the street that thinks they're going to be a rock star. And he's like, right, sure. You know, and he, yeah. he hits play, hits record, and I started to sing. And his mouth just dropped open. He's like, oh, well, you know, and... I I didn't, you know, I'm just doing what I feel is natural to do. It just sounds like normal to me. And he was deeply affected mm-hmm. by the sound of my voice. So when I listen to those early recordings, you know, I hear myself singing, um, but with no confidence mm-hmm. at all or and very insecure, very unsure of myself. Like, um, I'm, I'm going to try, but I have no idea um, how how people are going to respond to this if anyone's going to like it. I don't know if I'm good. I don't know if I can sing on pitch. And uh-huh. um, I had been in a relationship um, previously, which which I don't talk about a lot, just as a matter of honoring people. Yeah. But I had been in a relationship where I was um, uh, demeaned, where right. I was told I was just average and didn't have very much talent and, you know, was just kind of okay uh, you know as a musician I've been told that so it's interesting that what we've been told by other people becomes a part of who we are so in those early recordings I hear a lot of judgment a lot of criticism a lot of insecurity um, because I believed Mm. what other people said and in the later recordings uh, particularly this one I just finished um, now I see I hear no fear in my voice there's no fear there's just love and power coming out and this absolute confidence that when I open my mouth, God will come out and I know it. Yeah. And it's totally different. Tell me about that change. What happened to, that you're, you went from timid Jean to now bold? Yeah. You know, that was, a pro- that was a process that took a long time because God has got to change our thinking yeah. and our minds. And we, um, we're so... Uh, it's very important. Words are very, very important. You know, God spoke the world into existence. So, so words have power over us for life or death. Yeah. And so it takes time to break down the strongholds of words that have been set up in our minds. And um, even as I got into the recording industry down in Nashville, started working with different producers, you know, it's a dog eat dog kind of world. Yeah. And so you got to have pretty tough skin and you've got to be careful who you listen to. Mm. And our words have got to come from God. We've got to know what he says about us because what the world says about us may or may not be true. And so I had yeah. people in Nashville say, you know, and, and they don't know. They say that, well, I needed to sound more like this person or I needed to sound more like that person or, or maybe my violin playing wasn't sharp enough. And, um, and again, we believe those things in it. And it kind of destroys what God wants to create through us. So it wasn't until, um, you know, it's just a gradual process. I was going to say it wasn't until, but I couldn't think of that point. (laughs) It's a process of God saying, you know what, when you allow fear into anything that you do, um, you are blocking my glory from coming Mm. through you. And it's my responsibility to... um, to not allow fear to control me anymore and and that ultimately it's nobody else's fault but mine and so this past year he really said there's not going to be any more fear in your performing your recording whatever you do um 
just don't allow it. And so it was really fun. The more that I record, the, the more I was able to step up to that microphone and just hear the voice of God and yeah. let it just be him and me and no fear allowed in that, that space. Yes. And, um, and then gradually he transforms our thoughts and says, and, and convinces us that, you know what, all that other stuff, it was lies. It wasn't true. It wasn't true. Yeah. So. <laughs> I love that. So a good first step in overcoming fear is not accepting fear. Yeah, I mean, taking responsibility for it because a lot of times we'll say, well, you know, there's a reason for me to be fearful. Mm-hmm. And um, perhaps there is at times, but really the Scripture says there's no fear in love, but perfect yeah. love casts out fear. And and so it's, you know, when we feel intimidated by whatever it is, finding God in that moment and saying, Lord, what do you say? What do you say in this situation? And finding him and finding the truth and that fear just it just leaves because ultimately if I'm afraid of performing or recording I'm really afraid of the judgment of the people that might be listening and that's wrong (laughs) you know I I don't need to perform for anyone I don't need to impress anyone that's pride I don't have to impress anybody that's true if they don't like it if they don't like me that's okay God loves me yeah (laughs) so so you know it's it's learning that we don't have to be controlled by fear anymore. And it's so freeing. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like the devil was really trying to attack your identity big time. Very and much so. It's only been recently, probably since since I've known you, yeah. that you've been walking in your identity. Yeah. Your, your God-given identity. Yeah. And we get, to, we get to live in that more and more as we get older. And, you know, the world says... Getting older is a, is a negative thing. We all need to be young. We need to look young. You know? But there's a blessing in being older because we get, to, it, we get to live into our identity more and more and discover more of it. Yeah. And it's really fun. It's really fun to just relax and say, I'm going to have fun with Jesus today. I'm going to just trust him and enjoy every moment of, of letting him mm-hmm. be himself in me. Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing thought. Like, God, what do you want to be in me today? What do you want to do through me today? It's such a wonderful adventure. Yeah, you just were talking about your time with the Lord. So can we talk a little bit about that more? And uh, so, Jean, what does your time with the Lord look like, and how does God speak to you? Great question. I think there are two aspects. There's the intentional um, setting aside time to be with Him, read His Word, listen to Him, um, through you know, I I read the word, and I'll I'll and I'll just write things down that jump out at me, mm-hmm. and then spend some time and ask the Lord, what do you want to say to me? Is there something here that you want to say to me? And making space for silence, mm-hmm. um, which our culture has a very difficult time with, especially in this day and age of technology. I think silence is just massively important. Yeah. Um, you know, how can we hear if we're not listening? And how can, we, how can we listen if there's a lot of noise going on? So we have to train ourselves to do that. It might, it might be difficult at first, even just a minute or five minutes of uh-huh. just sitting and listening. But, you know, think about David out on the, the hilltops with his sheep and all the massive amounts of time he had to listen. And this is where the, the relationship becomes so strong. The knowledge of God's love becomes so real that when he's put onto the battlefield with Goliath, he knows his God. And it's an easy thing. He just picks up the rock and is like, 
oh my goodness, you know, poof, you're done. You know, it was not a difficult thing for him because yeah. he'd had all that time with God. So we need that intentional time with God. The other aspect to hearing from the Lord is is the constant, um, what Paul said is praying continually, praying without ceasing, which is, you know, wherever I am, even at this moment, having my the antennas of my heart are up and listening and open to the Holy Spirit who at any random moment may break into the conversation and, yeah. and be speaking to my heart. Um, so it's learning to live in an attitude of worship where wherever I am in the grocery store, driving, whatever, um, yes, I'm paying attention to what's going on so I don't crash into the car in front of me, <laughs> but my heart is always paying attention to the Lord. Uh-huh. And again, that's something that we can learn as we practice it. But to me, those are the two ways um, to live, really, pray continually. Yeah. So many times the first thing that we hear from somebody is oftentimes the most important thing. You know, like the presidential inaugural address right. or things like that. Do you remember the first thing that you recognized that God spoke to you? <laughs> oh, boy. The first thing he spoke to me? Yes, I do. I was growing up in the Episcopal Church and very traditional church, bells and smells, very ritualistic, you know, beautiful church. But, uh-huh. that, you know, that's how I learned to worship God in the early days. And I was an acolyte, so I was the one that was to light the candles and okay. carry the cross and all that stuff. And I, I must have been about 16 years old. I'm not teenage. This was before I'd really made a commitment. And it was Easter. It was the, the Easter vigil service the day before Easter where the church is completely dark except for one light. Hmm. The acolyte takes that light and then goes to all the candles in the church, lights it up, and you go forward to the altar. You do this thing. So I was carrying the light by myself up to the cross. And as I um, was, you had to go up some steps, walk down this place called the nave, I think. As I was walking toward the cross, the space around me just got supernaturally bright, mm. like more than it should be for one one yeah, candle. Yeah. And I I've just had this intense feeling that I was in the presence of holiness. Mm. It was overcoming, overwhelming, and I heard... The Lord say in my heart, not an audible voice, but unmistakable. I'll never forget it. It's going to make me cry. I heard him say, I'm going to use you to carry my light to many nations. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) And I mean, it was so holy. And of course, I finished my job and left and I went home and I had a little good news Bible. Yeah. You know, one of those paperback versions. And I just flipped it open, and it flipped open to Jeremiah chapter 1 and said, you're young, but I'm going to use you to, mm. you know, to be a voice um, to many. And I knew it, it was a call to God. And um, so that was, that was the first time, and I didn't understand it at the moment. But now, looking back, it certainly makes sense. Yeah. And that obviously changed you. That, that affected your life greatly. It did. I mean, I, I knew, you know, even earlier than that, I, I never remember not believing in God. You know, yeah, the yeah. Lord was always there for me as a little child. But then he begins to speak more, you know, the older we get, if we're listening. Mm-hmm. And then, so that, that was the first of many encounters. But I knew that faith was going to play a very important part in my life. And as I went to music school, I went to a fancy conservatory and everybody everybody was all about winning auditions and making right. money and 
being, you know, prominent, whatever it was. And I remember being in music school, sitting outside a practice room and just crying one day and saying, God, why am I here? Why am I here? Because I can't compete with this. Yeah. I can't because I just, I don't have the drive or the passion. And um, and I, I had this intense knowledge that this was just a means to an end, that um, the Lord had a much greater purpose for me than yeah. playing in the back of a violin section in an orchestra. So, Yeah, so... I guess you could say that you know you've had belief in God, but when God had that experience with you, He demonstrated His belief in you that He that there's a call in your life. Oh yeah, and a purpose, which is is so affirming. It's like oh my goodness that that the Lord He knows exactly who I am, and He knows exactly why He's created me, and He's the God that made the universe wants a relationship with me, yeah. and He wants to do something with my life and that was intensely um joyful yeah you know to know that this this the most wonderful thing yeah that's a beautiful story yeah thank you for sharing that yeah part of it. and you know you you mentioned that god spoke to you that you were going to be a light to the nations yeah and yes through music and through recording and through the internet you right. can your music can touch all over the world you have a special connection with Ireland. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me about that? I do. So, so many things go back to childhood. Um, when I was in ninth grade, I I made a report about Ireland in a social studies class. I really was fascinated with the Irish people. And mm-hmm. So I made this report and about the history, the culture, blah, blah, blah. I only got a B plus on the, the paper, but I saved the cover. It was made out of green construction paper and had pictures cut out from National Geographic uh-huh. and always saved it. I still have it to this day. And it, it was just a desire um, and sort of a drawing to that place in the world. And then um, when my life had fallen apart and and the Lord was starting to move again, um, as I shared earlier, that dream welled up in my heart again. I thought, you know, if I don't get there before I die, I think I will have missed something. So I began to pray that the Lord would open the doors to go not only to Ireland, but England and um, Wales and Scotland, the United Kingdom right. and Ireland. And about three years later, um, my music had been heard over in that part of the world. And so I was invited to tour England for the first time and um, carried this message of what God had done in my life, my family's life, through the music, but also I was beginning to speak. Mm. And so I went from town to town in England and sharing the message, saw God do amazing things, saw people be healed, um, come to Christ, be delivered of addictions, all kinds wow. of crazy stuff happen. Um, I did go to Scotland, and then eventually the door opened to go get into Ireland, and I went. That was about 10 years ago, and um, Ireland just welcomes me with open ar- arms. There's just been an amazing connection with the Irish people and they're very receptive to my message, and they also love my music and the fact that I can play yes. an Irish fiddle tune. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. The last time you were with us, you shared the song yeah. St. Patrick's Breastplate. Breastplate. Yeah. And the video for that is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. um, can you tell me about the song and then how the video came Oh, about? right. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it was about a couple years ago now. Um, I recorded the song... St. Patrick's Breastplate, which is based on the ancient prayer of St. Patrick that he supposedly prayed in the 
5th century AD when he was surrounded by physical enemies and he couldn't fight, and so mm -hmm. he prayed. And the prayer is really protection over himself, his armor, him arming himself, Christ be with me and within me, Christ behind me and before. And, and he just puts on Christ around him whole, his whole self. Yeah. It's such a beautiful thought. So we set it to music, or actually... Um, it a re, kind of rearranged an arrangement that was already um, created mm -hmm. and uh, went to Ireland, worked with a videographer in Northern Ireland who was absolutely brilliant. He pictured the song as a medieval battle scene yeah. and um, with, with medieval sword fighters um, have, doing a battle and a small child being in the midst of them uh -huh. and completely unaware of what was going on. Um, but the child being protected by by his father's love, and it's yeah. it's a stunning video. And, it really is. And we we actually got to film it in six locations in Northern Ireland, where St. Patrick was actually ministering, which was for me just surreal. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a powerful thing. Not only the music, but um, the visual aspect is stunning. Yeah, and some of the actors I, I yeah. think you told me were uh, from of, Game of Thrones. Yeah, from Game <laughs> yeah, of the, Thrones. Yeah, the sword fighters were pulled from Game of Thrones, and the makeup um, person. Uh, we had a set designer, and every, I mean, it was just done first class. Oh yeah. And but the Lord just provided all those things for me and made them available, which is amazing. And so, so yeah, I was super excited. We've actually done two more, by the way. Oh, cool. One of them was just released, uh, Carol of the Bells which we filmed in the woods in Northern Ireland with fairy lights. I love, so, I love the song, The Carol of the Bells. So, so we've got yeah. to check it out. Yeah. It's, it's really, again, he, the man who does my videography, he, he doesn't do anything, you know, second class. He goes yeah. all out. So that's pretty great. stunning. So God has opened up some really cool doors for you. Yes. And given you opportunities. And I love what you were saying about you just went town to town in yeah. England you saw miracles. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about those? Well, that's the fun part. You know, I, I thought I was just a musician, and I don't have any um, formal Bible college training. Or any, I'm not ordained. Um, and so, you know, I really thought, well, I'm going to share some songs, and I'll, I'll share a little bit of my testimony, and um, that'll be it. You know, and then we'll have tea and crumpets, and everybody will go home. Yeah. Scones. <laughs> and... Um, the strange things started happening. I'd share these simple stories. It wasn't anything that I thought was deeply profound. And in one of the first meetings in Coventry, England, uh, my first audience was mostly homeless. Mm. The church had gone around the town and collected homeless people and bribed them with coffee and sandwiches to come hear me sing. I would come for that too. Yeah. So they're sitting there just waiting for their food and they don't smell very good. And, and, you know, and something happened in the middle of the concert. You know, it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's not about music or what we do. It's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was moving, and after I was finished, this homeless guy runs up to the stage, and he says, I don't know what just happened. He says, I've been an atheist my whole life, and all of a sudden, I know God is real. I know God is real. And so that man surrendered his heart to the Lord on the spot. And, and you didn't give an altar call? No, no. He no. runs up to me and, and basically begged me to pray with him. Oh, my gosh. For, and I thought, oh, okay. Well, okay, you know. And then the next girl after him came up. She was 12 years old, and her father was with her, and she had a severe hearing impairment. Mm. And she was losing her hearing, and doctors didn't understand why. 
And so the father says she's losing her hearing, but she believes that if you pray with her, she'll be healed. And I thought, oh, that's not ever going to happen. I'm a violin player, uh-huh. you know. I don't know anything about You know, I just didn't have the faith, really. But I, So I just put my hands on her ears and prayed for the little girl. It felt like something like a million volts of electricity just mm-hmm. going through my body. And I was actually pushed away from her. And it was that feeling of intense holiness, like I felt back in the church. I was pushed you, away from her. You said you were pushed away by it. Yeah, no, just like actually I, I sort of, my hands were on her ears, and I felt this, what I imagined it would feel like to get struck by lightning. Oh, wow. And I was actually pushed away from her body and landed, landed on the floor. I fell over backwards because oh I couldn't stand and under the, the presence of God, I guess. So I got up off the floor, and I looked at her as she looked at me, and I said, this is the weirdest thing, I said, get away from me, I'm a sinful woman. And I thought, why did I just say that? And then I realized that's what Peter said when he realized that Jesus oh, was wow. the Christ. And it just came out of my mouth. It, like she was, There was so much holiness around her that I was suddenly just aware of my unholiness. And mm. she I was healed instantly. Her ears were completely opened, and we got the medical report later that confirmed that doctors wow. had seen she was healed and had no idea why. And um, so that was the beginning of, you, you know, I saw that was I saw that happen many times, you know, over and over. He would he would heal or he would set people free of of different things. And I thought this is just Isaiah sixty one. Yeah. You know, I, he's, Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. And this is what I saw him doing through a simple violin player that's completely unqualified. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, okay, I guess that's what we're doing here, bringing the kingdom. Wow. So you, your intention was to entertain, play, entertain, entertain, and, and, you know, give a nice little encouraging message. And, and God had a different plan. He, well, he, his plan was so much more. You yeah, know, I, I more. asked for a couple crumbs, and he, like, dumps, you know, buckets full. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool story, Gene. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, Gene, if you could go back in time and talk to a younger version of yourself, <laughs> uh, if you could intersect in, in, yeah. in your timeline, what's happening in that particular time, and what advice would you give yourself? Um, there are lots of things I'd want to say to a younger Jean um, because I feel like I had a strong sense of who I was and my purpose and vision in the beginning and then it slowly got chipped away at by, by my own doubts and by words of other people so it would be to, to stay true to the vision that I had in the beginning that God had given me um, but the, the other part would have to do with relationships because in my life um, after I was divorced, there's a deep brokenness of the heart, mm-hmm. and so you seek to fill it with other relationships. And so I wasted a lot of time um, chasing after love and fulfillment and relationships with lots of the wrong people. And I, there was there was time and energy wasted. I mean, just purely wasted that mm-hmm. I can't go back and get again. And I deeply regret that because I missed out on, you know, having my whole heart really just focused on the Lord and what I should be doing, focused on my kids, and focused on just taking care of myself. And instead, I was chasing after it in the wrong places. And so that would be my biggest regret. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't waste time. 
just chase after the Lord only. And, you know, if I'm meant to be in a relationship with someone, God will bring the right person, which he did. Mm -hmm. I remarried, very happily remarried to the perfect person for me. And I didn't have to chase after it. And so that would be what I would say, um, you know, particularly to young, young, young Jean, but also young women, mm-hmm. um, you know, just don't chase after a relationship. Trust the Lord. Stay surrendered to him. Um, he'll bring um, whatever you need, and that includes relationship into your life. But we can waste so much time spending emotion and wasting energy on things that in the end are not going to matter. Yeah. Do you think 17-year-old Jean or whatever age, do you think you would listen to yourself? Probably not. Yeah. (laughs) No, I was pretty stubborn and headstrong, but, and I had to learn the hard way. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I I like asking this question because it's, you know, we don't have that luxury now of going back in time and, and messing with our timeline. But the things that we've gone through, the journey that along the way has led us to where we are today. Exactly. And we wouldn't be who we are today without that. It's nice to be able to think, yeah, if I would have done this or if I could have done that, if I would have invested in this stock years ago and things like that, life would be different. Right. But would you really be who God wants you to be There you go. And I I tell people that all the time. um, It's like, don't waste your pain. Don't waste your suffering. Because that road of suffering that I did go down, largely based on my own mistakes, Mm -hmm. um, was so integral to making me into a vessel that God could use. And so um, it is very, very important. And uh, we like to skip that part, but it's so much needed because in the end, it's got to be Christ living in us and and less of us. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the whole theme of this podcast is about, it comes from the Emmaus Road journey and how the disciples were walking with Jesus for at least two hours or whatever it might be. And they didn't realize it was him until they sit down together. Right. Jesus blesses the food, breaks the bread, and then poof, he's gone. Right. And in Luke 24, 32, the disciples turn to each other and say, weren't our hearts burning within us Mm -hmm. along the way as he was revealing the scriptures to us? Yes. So, Gene, I like to ask the question, where was your heart burning that you didn't realize it until later? Oh, boy. You caught me on that one. Where was my heart burning that I didn't realize it until later. You know, I was in Ireland this past year, and I think some of these encounters with God, um, we miss them because they don't seem religious. Oh, okay, yeah, that's <laughs> that's very astute. Yeah, you know, they don't—they're not shrouded in religion, and so you don't really understand that God was in it until later. And so I'm thinking of so many encounters I've had. Uh, with people along the way, and there was there was one in particular. I was on a train going from Dublin to Kilkenny in Ireland. Actually, this happened several years ago, and I was sitting there. I was really tired, and I was trying to sleep. And so I, I was closing my eyes. I had this feeling that someone was watching me. So I opened my eyes a little bit, and there's this little Irish girl looking at me intently, and she's kind of in my space. She had red hair, and uh, she says. She says, are you sleeping then? And I'm like, oh, no, not my eyes were closed, but definitely not sleeping. Mm-mm. You know, and she obviously wants some attention. Uh-huh. So she says, are you going to Kilkenny? And I said, no. Yes, I'm going to Kilkenny. Do you live in Kilkenny? No, I don't live in Kilkenny. 
Where do you live? I live in America. You live in America. What's it like to live in America? So then I'm like, okay, we're fully awake. Right, and right. So I got out my phone and I'm showing her pictures of my cat and my house. And this is my, these are my children. This is my life in America. And pretty soon I hear a, uh, a woman from the other end of the train car who's drunk. And she yells at the little girl and she says, Elena, leave the woman alone. And I said, no, 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 it's okay. She's not bothering me. So this drunk woman, who's obviously her mother, starts coming closer. And pretty soon I've got this little girl next to me and this drunk lady leaning over my shoulder. And they're all looking at my phone. Never mentioned the word God or Jesus or anything. We're just looking at pictures and talking about life. And then it was time for me to leave the train. The whole thing took about 10 minutes. So I got up and I grabbed my things. And she tried to help me carry my things to the door. And so the three of us just kind of staggered to the train door as it was pulling to a stop. And the drunk woman, she looked at me and she said, she started to cry. She says, I don't even know your name, but I feel like you're my friend. Hmm. And I said, well, my name is Jean and I am your friend. And I said, would it be all right if we had a short prayer before I leave? And uh, so I put my hand on the little Irish girl and one hand on the mother And I just prayed, Lord, I just thank you for this time we've had together. I thank you, Lord, that you love Elena and her mother so much and that you want them to know your love. And I pray, Lord, that you'd guide them and direct them and provide for them everything that they need. And in Jesus' name, amen. And stepped off the train, knowing I'd never see them again. Mm. That was an encounter with God. And and just uh, my heart burned knowing that the Lord wanted to reveal his love to two strangers that I'll never see again. So hmm. on the way. Yeah, those are those are unique moments that we, yeah. you could have easily said, yes, I am sleeping. Yes, and leave me alone. You could have missed that moment that God really wanted you there to show his love, to demonstrate his love to these yeah. two people who this little girl, you know, being, you said that her mother was, was obviously drunk. Yes. You don't know what that home life, that home right. life is like. Yeah. But the love of Jesus through you ministered to them in such a unique way that whether you preach the gospel right. in the four spiritual laws or whatever, right. their life could be forever changed because you didn't miss that moment. Thank yeah. you for being aware that God was in that moment. Yeah, and it's the awareness that, that God is in us It's so... Um, Sometimes that love is expressed in different ways, but so many times just a word or a touch or a smile or an act of kindness um, could be him revealing himself to someone um, in a way that they understand. Right. Um, I was praying with a prostitute one time in England, and I just put my hand on her, and she said, don't stop touching me. God is in your hand. God is mm. in your hand. And so we don't know, and it doesn't have to be... Um, you know, handing out Bible tracts and preaching. We preach with our life yeah. every day. Yeah. <laughs> I love what you said as kind of a preface to your answer of this question of sometimes we miss those opportunities or we miss those. Encounters. We miss real, sometimes we miss those encounters because we're expecting a religious experience. Yes. Wow. That is so true. Mm-hmm. We want those. We want the light shining down from heaven. We want all these things, you know, we want the birds to be singing in perfect pitch and harmonies and all these things to magically happen, kind of like in a Disney movie. Yeah. But God can 
work in it and it's not a religious experience yeah and very often it's in the ordinary things yeah just in the very ordinary things which is the stuff that jesus worked with all the time like dirt and mud and fish and bread and ordinary things yeah very much so gene what's a life verse that you uh aspire to or that you can kind of mm-hmm. this is the this is the verse that you kind of anchor Live to. By, yeah. yeah galatians 2 20 i've been crucified with christ and i no longer live but christ lives in me amen that's a good one so what is god doing with you today what is the next steps that you see god leading you in I'm asking him um, just for more effectiveness and more fruitfulness because what he's doing through my life, I, I know that I'm doing exactly what he wants me to do, Yeah. Um, but just that it would be used fully and fruitfully reaching more people. Um, that doesn't mean I need a bigger platform, um, but I want the, the connectivity that, that he could use to, um, to connect his love with more people if yeah. that makes sense and so however that wants to come i i'm, I'm doing I did some brand new music this year which i'm very 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 excited about and um, praying that the lord uses that as a point of connectivity um, i want to do some more writing there's just not enough hours in the day but yeah, I, want, yeah. I have another book i want to write and uh, a lot more uh, travel this next year i'm hoping to get uh, into mexico and to france and um, definitely back to Ireland. So I think the footprint's expanding a bit. Yeah, um, but sounds like it. Yeah, so I'm asking him, I'm giving him everything I have and just saying, okay, you know, how can, how can you use that to bring the most fruit? Yeah, and God's opened up some really cool opportunities for you in the past and working yes. with other people, uh, including yeah. some of my heroes. I know uh, Phil Keggy was oh, yeah. one of the people that you worked with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how God's going to continue to open up doors for you like that. I am too. Yeah. Very excited. How do you apply God's revelation to your daily life? How do I apply God's revelation to my daily life? I think some of that I've talked about before and. Um, trying to keep the ears of my heart open yeah. to him all the time. And then I love to say um, uh, that the way I can love him is by loving the person in front of me. And sometimes that can be the hardest thing, especially if it's the people closest to us, because they're the ones that we, you know, there's when people are close to you, there's friction. And yeah. um, so for me, where the, the, the rubber meets the road is how do I treat the people that are in front of me at the moment, whether that's family members, friends, coworkers that are irritating. <laughs> um, you know, whatever it is, that, that person that is particularly difficult to love. And learning to live a lifestyle free of bitterness and offense is, I think, you know, that, that's, a, that's a really huge thing, and that's where God wants us to stay free yeah. of offense and to every day be searching my heart. Is there any part of me where I feel offended by someone? And if so, what do I need to do about that? I need to forgive that person and bless them. Um, if there's some action that needs to be taken, then allow, allow the Lord to show me what to do. And then to always be asking God, is there anything in my heart that is offending him? Mm. So, you know, living free of offense and um, loving the person in front of me. Yeah, that's great. Gene, I appreciate this time together. And I want to give you an opportunity to just talk about your upcoming album or your most recent album and your, your book. 
if you can give us a commercial a little, about Gene Watson. A little summary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it would be not so much a commercial, just that it's, I feel like a little kid, and I am so excited about this a new recording I made called Four Unto Us. It's, it's another Christmas recording. This is my third one because there's just so much great Christmas music. But I started recording it in the spring, and just these musical ideas began to come to my mm. mind that were spectacular and creative and different and weird. And I thought, what's this is crazy. And so I went to Nashville in June and shared them with producer Billy Smiley. And everything was just laid out. It was so easy. So we um, made plans and recorded it. Um, Russ Taff came along and sang on two, two oh, songs cool. with me. Yeah. He's doing two duets with me, which was amazing. Um, I sang One Small Child with David Meese, the writer of the song, which was an absolute dream of mine. And Phil Keggy played a lot on the album. He's all over it. And I talked about lack of fear. And this, this project is, I think, the first one I've ever done that I don't hear any fear in mm. at all. And so I'm just unashamedly really proud of it. I love it. I love the music. I'm addicted to it. And um, so excited for the world to hear that. So yeah, I hope that people have a chance to listen and use the music also to bless other people. Yeah. And it's, it's not light and fluffy. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's, <laughs> these are all songs that um, minister to the heart, so it's ministry as well. That's great. And I'm looking forward to later tonight, whenever we're recording, the day that we're recording this interview, yes. you're going to be doing a living room concert with of us. Of this music. Of this music. Yes. So whenever this uh, this video for this is available online, I'll make sure to put this in the show notes, as well as a link to your website and however people can get the music. But real quickly, can yes. you just tell us where people can find your music? My website is, has everything, genewatson.com. The music is everywhere. You know, you can find that wherever you like to stream music, if you're Spotify or Pandora or iTunes or wherever. It's out there, Amazon. Just All the places. You'll find it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. For Unto Us. Wonderful. Well, Jean, thank you so much for allowing me to join you along your way. Well, thank you for allowing me to join you on, on your way as well. It's always a pleasure to get to work with Jean Watson, and I look forward to the next time she has a book or album that brings her back to our studio. During the interview, I made mention that Jean was in town because she was recording a living room concert series with us. There is a link in my show notes so that you can watch that wonderful Christmas concert with Jean Watson. Jean has a good outlook that she has gained from her life experience. We all have trouble, but she said, it's what we do with trouble that defines us. Do we look at trouble and constantly feel overwhelmed? Do we embrace the challenge because we know it will make us grow? There are so many different responses to trouble, but she really laid out the best plan for dealing with trouble from Psalms 116 verse 4, calling out to God, Oh God, save me. That is a simple but very powerful prayer. For Jean, crying out to God started a series of miracles for her that was really encouraging to hear that story. I know that in my life, I see trouble, and I sometimes forget to keep first things first. I oftentimes just jump right into what I think the solution should be and work on a plan, but stopping and asking God for help is such a simple but very important step. The Bible says in James 1.5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. 
he will not rebuke you for asking. You see, God isn't upset if we don't know what to do on your own. In fact, he wants you to ask him for help. He is always right there for you, no matter what you need. Let's make sure that the next time we have trouble, we make our first step calling out to God. When she listens to her early recordings, Jean can hear self-doubt and timidity. I'm sure that you or I couldn't hear that, but it's interesting how recordings or pictures of moments in our lives can take us back to that place and that feeling again. It's so easy to let those things that others have told us define us. It can become part of what we are, but only if we accept it and believe it. Now, Jean hears boldness in her recordings. Overcoming those false definitions was a process. It can take years sometimes to counteract the lies that we have believed about ourselves. The best way to work on that is by accepting our identity in Christ. I have a document of Bible verses that remind me who God says I am and who God promises to be for me. At my church, we call it the I Am Sheet. If you would like one of those, please email me at johnalongtheway at gmail.com and I will send it to you so you can start believing who you truly are in Christ. God has to change our thinking if we are ever going to fully live out our purpose and joy in life. Thank you for listening to Along the Way. If you've enjoyed joining me along my way, please share this episode with a friend who you think will be encouraged by this podcast. Also, please rate and review Along the Way on iTunes. That helps more people discover Along the Way. And subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at my website, alongtheway.media. I hope you've enjoyed this part of my journey, and may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way.